Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What's Next. I am your host, Tiffany Bova, and I have the honor and pleasure of welcoming Matt Abrahams to the show today. He is a leading expert in communication with decades of experience as an educator, author, podcast host, and coach. As a lecturer in organizational behavior at Stanford University's Graduate School of Business, he teaches popular classes in strategic communications and effective virtual presenting. But he has a new book out called Think Fast, Talk Smart. So with that, that's what we're going to talk about. Are you ready? I am very ready. Nice to be with you, Tiffany. So we start off something that I call bullish and bearish. Um, it's something that is not too painful. I'm sure you'll figure it out. Bullish is you're for it. Bearish is you're against it. And it's just three quick questions that, you know, kind of get the juices flowing. Are you ready? I am very ready. Let's do it. All right. The first one, robot chef, bullish or bearish? I'm bullish on that. I can see the value. All right. All right. The next one, an AI speechwriter. Oh, man. What's in the, what's between a bull and a bear? Uh, so <laughs> I'm a badger. I'm a badger on that. I, I see advantages and disadvantages. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I feel, can't commit. I can't commit. I, I feel the same way. I think AI to get us started or human get us started. AI, I like the combo, but I don't like the, you know, yeah. only. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. And the last one, a little more fun, a board meeting in space. Oh, yes. Anything in space would be cool. <laughs> Very bullish. Yes. So I can't wait until it's like, you know, that ends up on the expense P&L, you know, of like cost of goods sold, <laughs> a board meeting in space. There you go. There you go. Well, let's start. Let's start at the top. First of all, I love I love the title. Think faster, talk smarter, because I think there's so much underneath that. And, and I, you know, often people go, what does it feel like to write a book? And, you know, there's the canned answers. But I don't think people understand the dilemma of creating the title of a book, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. how much sort of goes into that. So if you don't mind, like maybe a little bit about why you landed on that title, and then we'll, we'll get into what it's all about. Well, so I, I don't mean to disappoint, but it was actually quite easy. So I host a podcast called Think Fast, Talk Smart. We have a bit of a following and we thought, well, we're talking about a topic that's part of what's related to the podcast. Let's just think faster and talk smarter. So I don't know that the next whatever I do is going to be called Think Fastest, Talk Smartest. I think that's going too far. <laughs> but but I definitely for us, it was it was a logical connection to what we were trying to do. So uh, the brand police are very pleased. Oh, well, that, that's all that matters. So let me then back up naming the podcast, which then was the genesis yes. for the book. Okay, yeah, so that was that. hard. Now that was yeah. hard. So originally, the, this all originated from a talk I did about eight, nine years ago at Stanford's Business School where I teach. And it was a talk about helping people speak in the moment, which is what the book is. So I was going to call it Extemporaneously Speaking. And I told a colleague of mine, I'm doing this talk, it's called Extemporaneously Speaking. And she did one of those like finger in the throat, like, oh, awful, horrible name, way too many syllables. And I said to her, I said, Alice, what do you think then? What should we call it? And she said, well, what? And this was around the time where people were still talking about apples think different, right? So this notion of let's take adverbs and not put the L-Y on them. And she said, what about think fast, talk smart? And I said, sold. That's perfect. So it was with the help of, she's an, she's an amazing 
person and a great writer. So she she came up with the idea and changed the course of everything from being extemporaneously speaking to think fast, talk smart. Well, from an outside uh, person, I'd say she did you a huge favor. Oh, absolutely. It's been it's been a huge boon. Everybody who hears that story says, oh, my God, you're not creative at all. And I mean, they're yeah. right. I can't come up with good names. My right. kids I named OK, but we actually ran focus. I kid you not. We ran focus groups on my kids' names. My name is Matt, and Matt rhymes with everything. And I was—I grew up teased constantly. Lazy as a doormat, silly as a cat, you're fat. So when we named our kids, my wife and I, we wanted to make sure that they weren't easily teasable. So we came up with a list of a few, and I went to my students, put them on the whiteboard. I kid you not, we named my kids after the shortest names of each. Oh, my goodness. Do they know that story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and I tell it to my students. I tell it to my students. I mean, it's all about know your audience. So you need to well, you need to check. My kids are teased for many things, but not their names. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, listen, I'm going to guess that there was some underlying thinking on not just communication, but on when and how, if you're thinking fast and talking smarter, is it really about processing more quickly or is it you know, really something that is different, right? That it's just, hold on a second. It's let me talk smarter because maybe I am smarter or maybe I'm more informed. Is it because I'm asking better questions and I'm listening better? Are there, I'm going to guess there's lots of things underneath that Mm -hmm. think faster, talk smarter. There is, there's a methodology. It's a six step methodology that, that I've been teaching and practicing and tinkering with for about 10 years now. And now trying to bring it to as many people as possible. Because if you think about it, Tiffany, most of our communication happens in the moment. It's not the planned presentations or the pitches or the meetings with agendas. It's in the moment. Somebody asks a question. They ask for feedback. You're making small talk. You have to introduce yourself. Most of our communication happens in the moment. So there's a methodology behind it. And and the goal is to think faster. That is, use pattern recognition to see what's going on and be able to make decisions more quickly. And then the talk smarter part is to be able to make sure that you organize organize it and structure it in such a way that it's more meaningful, more clear, more compelling and concise. Well, you know, having been a salesperson for a very long time, a long time ago, there was always that, okay, elevator pitch, right? Like you're in an elevator with the most, you know, important lead or executive you've been trying to get to for six months. You got 45 seconds, go. Yeah. Exactly. And I have a way to help with that. So I believe one of the big keys to speaking effectively in the moment is one mindset. And the first four steps of the the process are mindset. But the second two steps are about messaging. And when it comes to messaging, it's all about having a structure. When you don't have a lot of time and you want to come off as intelligent and understandable, a structure can really help. And a structure is nothing more than a guideline, a map. So I have a, uh, a structure for a longer pitch and one for a short pitch. I'll share the short pitch with you. It's four sentence starters. You finish each of these starters. So what if you could, so that, for example, and that's not all. So let me show you. We're going to do this in the moment. And everybody listening, I don't know what Tiffany's going to ask me to pitch. I'm going to do an elevator pitch for whatever you suggest I do. Give me a product or a service and let's see if I can do it. Uh, well, selling a book. Okay. So, well, that's easy. I'll sell my book. So it's think faster, talk smarter. What if you could respond appropriately and authentically in the moment so that you can get your ideas across and make sure that people understand you? For example, you're in a job interview and when people ask you questions, you give deep, meaningful, relevant answers. And that's not all. You'll learn how to help yourself with small talk, 
apologizing, introducing yourself, giving toasts and tributes, and much more. So simply by answering those four sentence starters, you give yourself a very clear, concise, compelling pitch. And I challenge anybody to take whatever it is they're pitching. It could be a teenager pitching to get uh, an extended curfew all the way through a salesperson trying to sell a product or service. The structure helps you formulate what it is you're trying to say. So what were the four questions again? What if you could, so that, for example, and that's not all. Within those four, so simple, right? Framework, you still on the fly have to think about what's in between them, right? So you're still having to, the structure will make sure that you're clear and potentially concise and you don't start running on, on yourself, right? Right. And and that you give something that is like, oh, compelling and, you know, maybe even action oriented. But how, how do you advise people to then fill in those four questions, potentially on the fly? Right. So first, uh, because you know your product and service or whatever it is you're asking for, you, so you have some deep knowledge. And then you, you literally ask those questions of yourself and you say, so what if you could? What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So part of it is this is where the mindset piece comes in. You have to give yourself permission to not try to get it right, just get it done. It's all about connection over perfection. So in those moments where I'm trying to complete that last part, I'm trusting what I know based on my experience, based on what I know of the audience, and I come up with a decent response for all of those. And I don't worry if it's the best or the perfect. I just work on it getting it done. And by focusing on just getting it done, you have full cognitive bandwidth and resources to do it really well. Think of it this way. The structure in any structure is like a recipe. You just have to put the ingredients into the recipe, which ingredients you choose to put first, how much you cut them and, 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 you know, whatever, saute them. That's your choice. And and the same thing with the structure. You will cook a better meal, I believe, with a recipe than without, at least in my life. That's certainly true. So it gives you a good start and a place from which you can then create new and different ways of doing it. And, you know, I can tell you just even for myself, I get asked a lot of questions. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't know what the question is going to be, right? Whether it's a podcast interview where I'm a guest or I'm on TV Mm -hmm. or I'm on stage and it's a QA, and a whatever, right? And you get asked a question. And to your point, I have deep knowledge in what I'm getting asked about. If I got asked something that was just out of my realm of understanding, I might pause and hesitate and think or ponder or, you know, it might not be as quick and fast. But I also find myself going back to those tried and true responses that I can just very quickly call upon, if mm-hmm. you will, right? That you'll yep. see you try it once, it doesn't work. So then you pivot a little bit like the recipe, right? You put too many onions and you put, you know, or you, yeah. it was too, you know, saucy or too dry or whatever, right? You're learning along the way. And then you find perfection and you're like, okay, this is how I'm going to answer this. But going through that iteration of the process of getting to that, Mm-hmm. shortened, powerful response. H- how do you sort of advise people on mm-hmm. on going through that exercise? Because this is so powerful in so many ways, right? That that And can be used in so many use cases. Absolutely. So there are two big counterintuitive notions in the book. One is that all of us can get better at it. Many of us feel like they're just people who are born with the gift of gab. And if you're not one of them, this is something that's just not available to you. And that's categorically false. Anybody can get better. I've seen it in my own personal life, the people I teach and coach, so you can get better. The second counterintuitive notion is you actually have to prepare to be spontaneous. So you have to practice, you have to iterate. You know, if you've ever played a sport or a musical instrument, and then you try to do some jazz spontaneous improv stuff, 
you have to practice first, right? So an athlete will do drills. So you test and you try. You try these different ways of completing the, the pitch formula or framework. And then you see what works and what resonates with you. You might even sample it with other people. So the more you do it, the better you're able in that moment when the elevator door opens and you there you see Mr. Ms. Prospect, you can just go right into it because you've done that practice in advance. So there's no magic. You have to do hard work. The only way you get better at communication is the way you get better at anything. Repetition, reflection, and feedback. You have to practice. You have to think what's working, what's not working. And then you have to ask others for feedback. So there's no secret. It, it takes the hard work, but when you do it, you, you're able to deploy these structures incredibly quickly to much success. And when you don't do it, you fill the awkward silence with, yeah. you know, just words and <laughs> fillers and, you know, you don't know what to say. And that's almost, that's almost worse. I mean, I feel oh, like, you know, when someone's really struggling to find something and they're kind of winding around the bush, it's like just whatever you are trying to say, just say it, even if it's not said really eloquently or you, you're feeling insecure about however you're going to say it, just say it because it's almost better to, to your point, to give it a, give it a try, right. Versus the alternative, which is that filler word or airtime, or you're just talking out of insecurity and you're trying to fill that awkward silence that it's exactly. almost worse. Yeah, absolutely. So a few things, a few thoughts for those moments where the, the words aren't coming to you, or you need that, just that moment to, to get your thoughts together. Many of us feel in these spontaneous speaking situations that there, that Time to response signals our competence and confidence. And that's not true. You can take a pause. You can ask a clarifying question. You can paraphrase what was said. These are all tools to give you that little extra time to collect your thoughts. There, there's no rush to respond. If in those moments after doing that, you're still struggling, then what I recommend you do is you use some kind of analogy or comparison you ask people to share their thoughts with you. You try to make it more conversational so you don't feel that intense spotlight. So give yourself a little bit of time. Inv invoke a structure if it helps. If that doesn't work, use some kind of analogy or comparison. You could start by saying, you know what? The situation you're asking me about reminds me of something that happened. It's much easier for us to talk about things that have happened than things that might happen. So try to recount something historical. And that often serves as the launch pad to get you on track to being more clear and concise. The other thing I find is that some people will listen to answer versus listening to listening. Like I'm not mm -hmm. the first to say that obviously, uh, right? And so if you're listening to answer, you, you tend then not to actually be paying attention to what's being said. So then you may ask a question that they just got finished kind of answering or describing to you. So, so then it signals that you're not paying attention, right? Or uh, you're not really engaging in this quote unquote conversation. You have an agenda that you're trying to get through. So what's the, not the trick, right? But what's the exercise, if you will, to actually be a better listener processor while you then can simultaneously, right, be able to respond appropriately or ask a question back? What's, what's the balance there? I love this question. It's incredibly insightful. So one of the four steps in my process, the fourth step is all about listening because you're exactly right. Most of us listen just well enough to get the gist of what somebody is saying without getting the detail. And then we begin rehearsing, practicing. We might misspeak. We need to listen intently so we can understand what's needed. Let me give you an example. Imagine you and I walk out of a meeting together and you turn to me and say, what do you think? How'd that go? 
And I, I hear she wants feedback. So what do I do? I give a listing of all the things that could have gone better, the things you made mistakes in, the things I made mistakes in. But had I really listened, I might have noticed you walked out the back door. You were looking down when you asked the question. You were speaking more softly. What you really wanted in that moment was not feedback. You wanted support. And I screwed up. I, by giving you a list of all the things you did wrong, I might have damaged our relationship instead of being there. So we have to listen more intently. First thing to do when you try to listen better is listen for the bottom line. Don't listen to just prepare yourself to respond. Listen for what's the bottom line. And when you listen intently like that, it changes. You engage much more mentally in what's being said. And in the book, I, I share a three-step process I borrow from a colleague of mine named Collins Dobbs. It's called space, pace, grace. We need to give ourselves a little space, not just physical space where we can actually listen. Maybe we move to a quieter area, but mental space. We have to be present and not be thinking about lots of other things. We have to slow things down. Things move very quickly in, in our lives and we have to slow down to listen well. And then finally, we have to give ourselves grace to pay not just attention to what's being said, but how it's being said. So by focusing on the bottom line, by focusing on pace, space, grace, it can change the way we listen, which will address the many issues you highlighted. Well, and also behind that is becoming what I'm going to borrow from somebody else, yeah. uh, becoming a master asker. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, his new book is, is really just, I had him on a number of years ago and it was about asking better questions Yeah, and, and really becoming a master asker so that you can listen for those cues or signals or mm -hmm. insights that allow you to be able to then have this really rich conversation. I mean, even, even let, let me just use this podcast as an example. I often get asked, like, what questions are you going to ask? I'm like, I don't know. I want to have a conversation. <laughs> like, if I pre-plan the questions, then I'm asking, okay, I'm just asking the questions, which means I'm not really listening to what you're saying, mm -hmm. and, and which means we're not really having a conversation. And I always come back, and I'm like, look, pretend, you know, Matt and I are meeting for the first time, and we're having a cup of coffee. Like, I want it to be that conversation where right. I'm learning and listening and asking, and he's learning and listening and asking, and we're having this dialogue where I get that the questions in advance are a way to kind of guardrail what might be an mm -hmm. interesting question, but I also think, right, that then I'm not paying attention. I'm like, okay, so how do you answer this question? How do you avoid this? How do you get out yeah. of this? So I've asked my seven questions. I did a good job today. It's like, yeah, but I listened to none of it, and I didn't double-click or ask for more information or ask for more insight. So you sometimes miss the richest part of the response by, by having the answer or the response, you know, prepared or what's going to happen next. I, I don't know. Would you agree? I would agree. So in the book, I spent some time talking about what I call heuristics. Heuristics are mental shortcuts. They're ways of helping ourselves make decisions and get through tricky situations. And what you're talking about is this heuristic processing where once I have a, a set of questions, it locks me into a particular path. And what conversation and connection is about is being agile and adjusting as we go. That doesn't mean that we don't plan. Planning can be very helpful. I mean, when you started interviewing me, you knew some things about me that gave you at least some directionality. But it's when we lock ourselves in that we miss opportunities to be flexible and agile. So imagine you share some bad news with me. A heuristic I might have is when I hear bad news and I know I need to respond, I say something which I think is totally meaningless, is it is what it is. Okay, so I fulfilled my obligation. You had something bad happen. I say, I'm sorry to hear that. It is what it is. That doesn't really help you feel better. 
it helps me because I, you, you shared something, I have to respond. What if in that moment, I really listened to what you were saying and I comment on some emotionality that you have? I might say, I'm, I'm really sorry that you're, you're sad about how that went, that, that I can only imagine was really hard for you. All of a sudden now we're connecting and having a, a much different conversation than when I just rely on this heuristic planned response. So I agree with you that, that being overscripted gets in the way of, of, a re, of real connection. But at the same time, we need to have some directionality because otherwise it's just completely random. So there's a balance that we all have to find that works for each of us. Well, I know that you, you know, teach at Stanford. You've been doing it for a very long time. You've got a lot of students you know, coming through your doors and, and you know, coming in with molding the minds of the next generation of leaders, if you will, right? And then yes. they walk out the door as, you know, off their way. They've graduated and, and uh, you know, going to go make the world a better place, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, yes. Hopefully, hopefully. But what have you noticed around communication styles over the decades of having students? You know, there's so much distraction now with social media. There's so much distraction with all the devices. There's, you know, so many different resources to gather information, you know, to be able to aggregate that and come up with a point of view and spit it back out with some intelligence. Like, have you really noticed a shift in the way in which communication has changed over time? Absolutely. It has changed. Uh, it has changed in many ways. Uh, there are many more competing channels for information. Our attention span is being uh, pulled in lots of different ways. We have to be more careful with jargon and, and wording. And so it, it is quite challenging. And with that, we have the allure of the devices and the tools that we have. So what I work with my students on is a few things. One, I really drive this notion that communication at its core, in fact, in the definition, the, the etymology of the word communication is to make common. It is about a connection. And a connection is not a like on a screen. A connection is where you actually have that emotional connection with somebody. So we talk about how do we do that? How do, when and where is it appropriate to use intermediated technology to, to, to help you be successful? We have to be much more concise these days. You know, uh, everything is, is becoming shorter and shorter, not just our attention spans, but the opportunities to actually contribute. So we talk a lot about concision. We talk a lot about engagement. Engagement to me is sustained attention. How do you sustain somebody's attention? First and foremost, you have to have a clear goal for what you're trying to achieve and a clear understanding of what's relevant to the person you're speaking to. And from that, you adjust and adapt. So yes, it is getting, there are more channels. The need to be more concise and clear is important. And there's a pressure to be less human to human connected. So that's what we work on. And, and I'll, I'm happy to share that I think many of my students develop those skills and abilities, but we have to prioritize them and we have to practice them. Yeah. And I think this is the first time we've had five generations working in the workforce yeah. and it really forces this understanding and communication styles as well, right? You have generations where it's not concise and short. You have generations where it's not the medium is social and disconnected, right? Yeah. All the way to short emoji. Yeah. No, totally. Smiley face, right? Like thumbs up, like, right. All the way to, uh, I'm going to answer and respond in a thoughtful way. It is this, you know, big chasm. And so as those listeners who may say, you know what, I'm guilty of not being a great communicator or a great listener, or I'm not able to think on my feet faster and talk smarter, but I know it's really important to my continued success, not only personally, but professionally. 
besides reading your book and listening to your podcast, <laughs> besides those two things. Oh, you took, you took those away. Yeah, uh, I took those away because those are the obvious. You know, where, yeah. where would you suggest, you know, as we wrap this up, where would you suggest people start? Because communication is so critical to everything. Yeah. There's, there's just no way to get around it. So a few things I would suggest. So, so I want to talk about two different levels. At the corporate level, within companies and organizations, it's important to put a, a premium on communication for the very reasons you've talked about. We have lots of generations. We have new technological tools. We need to be thinking about people, process, and infrastructure to support it. So when you hire somebody, you need to say communication is important. We have different generations here. You put in processes in place where you understand how and what is the best way to communicate. If you have a, a high priority issue, we communicate it this way. If you have a, a more of a just FYI, then you communicate it that way. So people know which channels. And then you build an infrastructure. You give people tools and training to, to learn it. So at a corporate level, there are things we can do. I would love if at the end of every meeting that happens in a company or organization, 30 seconds is dedicated to discussing the quality of the communication, not what rehashing what was said, but say something like, you know, Tiffany, it was really valuable when you paraphrased what was said because it got us back on track. That kind of acknowledgement and reflection, priceless for helping people. Now, at an individual level, if you're not going to, if you take away my book and my podcast, I would say go out and find courses. There are courses at community college. There are people who coach and teach. Go learn this. Take an improv class. Join Toastmasters. There are organizations designed to help you speak better in the moment. So we have to work on it personally, but organizations have to help us by setting up the people, process, and infrastructure to get us there. Well, Matt, this has just been incredible. It was 26 minutes of incredible communication and well, dialogue you. and connection. But again, as I mentioned, three things now, right? So first, the host of Think Fast, Talk Smart podcast. Then he's got Think Faster, Talk Smarter, the new book. And then he's got a class at Stanford. If you are so inclined to go back to college and you'd <laughs> like to, to join uh, uh, that as well. But how can people keep in touch with you and your work going forward? Well, Tiffany, I've enjoyed the conversation very much. Thank you. You ask very deep and good questions. Single best way to get in touch with me, mattabrahams.com. And I'm a huge user of LinkedIn. Do tune in to Think Fast, Talk Smart, the podcast. See if you like the communication tips we give there. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. 